Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we are marching quickly toward Christmas. It's coming fast. 2023 is almost. Santa Claus over. is warming up his sleigh. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Bringing good, uh, good gifts and good tidings. Yeah, it's crazy, and a lot of going on in the in the, uh, in the sports world too. You know, there it's is. Uh, just uh, it's interesting. I can't believe Florida State got dissed and left out of the yeah. college playoffs, being undefeated. Being undefeated, right? And they, they, I mean, they had a good season too. It's not like they were undefeated it, and played nobody. Yeah, I mean, they, they beat did. Clemson right. barely, yeah, right, well, in overtime. But I hate that's a big we, win. We don't need to them. talk about that. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so that's that's college football. I mean, Georgia's out and Florida yeah. State's out, and wow, we're back to Alabama and yeah, know, Michigan, Michigan and Washington undefeated. Yeah, yeah, Texas. So yeah, it's. That's crazy. And um, what else is going on? Um, soccer. Well, hey, hey, Clemson yeah. won the national championship in soccer. That's right. There you go. That's Hats big. off to my boys. Yeah. The Clemson guys. Yeah. That's a good yeah. win. And they're they're like in the top 10 in basketball? Men's top 13. Well, 13. Top 13. Okay. They're number I'm sorry. 13. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. In basketball. Yeah. yeah. But they, they've won nine in a row. Nine in a row. So. Yeah. They're nine in a row. They're only undefeated team in the ACC. That's a there good stat. Go. Exciting stuff That's going on in yeah, Clemson there world. We go. Mm-hmm. Golf, um, not so much. John Rahm left the PGA and is going yeah. to live golf tour. That has put a kink in the overall, uh, yeah, the PGA live relationship. Relationships. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that. It's an interesting unfolds. relationship. So there you go. There's your tidbits on sports. Yeah. we have a great show lined up for the day, and um, you know, uh, we're going to start off talking about annuities. Um, when are annuities a good idea? You know, we've been getting lots of questions about annuities here recently, and uh, now that rates are up a little bit, there are some attractive rates on some fixed annuities out there, and we have a lot of people that just have older annuities that don't know what to do with them, and so we're just going to dig into annuities, what they are, yeah, that's and, good. And you know, when do they make some sense, and when are they not very good? Um, so we'll dig into that today, and then we're going to follow that up with, yeah, uh, an article from uh, Kiplinger. Uh, it's called What's which of the 10 money languages do you speak? I thought this was interesting. It, it plays off the yeah. you know the the common uh, five love languages book by uh, Gary Chapman. Right. Uh, but it talks about money languages. What are some money languages you speak? And I thought it was good because I think as I read through it, uh, there were definitely a few I resonated with more than others. And I think right. others would probably um, share in some and have different ones. So we'll, we'll look through that. And it's a good read. Um, yeah, um, I think that's... A- it's key, interesting to know how money affects your emotions, Absolutely. and that's kind of what it's yeah. what it's getting at. And uh, so I like that. That'll be a great, great topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 28 years' experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Zach Albanese. I'm also a certified financial planner. Have been in the industry for over four years now, and been here for almost three. There you go. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Um, our podcasts are up every Friday morning, as you guys probably know, and uh, you can find us on our website, moneymd.net, um, or on our RYA website. If you just Google Richard Young Associates, you can get right to our website and uh, you can listen to us anywhere in the world. Um, we're also out there on iTunes and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Money Doctors. Um, so search us out and uh, get all our old shows there listed on our website, too, that you can listen to. Going back over 10 years. so Yeah, it's a, a great resource. 
certainly is. Yeah, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so this financial fact was interesting since we just came off a good November, uh, really good November. Um, I was looking at some interesting stats, and apparently, Steve, November is the strongest month. If you look at all the Novembers, it's been the strongest month for stocks since 1950. Wow. Not, not every year, but on not average, every year. On, on average, average, on average. November is yeah. on average since 1950 has been the strongest month for the year. Wow. Um, and has only declined. If you look at the past 11 years, it only declined. It was only negative one year, and that was 2021, wow. which is interesting because 2021 was a very good year, for, a stocks. Great year for stocks. So interesting sad about November. Obviously, we had a really good November. Um, our aggressive portfolio was, I, should, I was about to write down the set. It's, it's like eight, eight, yeah, yeah. around eight, nine percent. Uh, so very good month for stocks. And uh, apparently, you can look forward to November every year. On average, of course. <laughs> on average, and I think December is better December than, is better than average as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on average. So maybe we'll have a repeat. Well, yeah, there. That would we'll be see. Great. We're getting a nice recovery. Markets we have done well here recently, and uh, so yeah, that's exciting. That that brings a little holiday cheer into our Christmas. The San, yeah, the Santa rally is that what they call it? That's right, Santa yeah, Claus. The rally. Santa Claus rally. I like it. All <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Good, good fact of the week, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is. When are annuities a good idea? Zach, this is a recent article out of uh, Vestapedia. Um, Mark Kaysen, I think, was author of this. And um, But, Zach, um, you know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of annuities, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but there are times when one makes sense. So we're going to... We're going we're gonna to start to get a lot of questions about annuities, too, because, you know, recently interest rates have climbed higher, so there's some, some more attractive offerings out there with fixed annuities. So we're going to dig into this subject today and talk about it a little bit. Um, in fact, I've recently reviewed a few older annuities that clients had mm -hmm. that were looking for recommendations on, and in one case, I suggested that they surrender it, you know, after it matures. Um, but in the other cases, two of them, you know, I suggested that they start the guaranteed income right. that it offered um, immediately um, because that was a lot more attractive um, in that situation. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so um, so it depends on the annuity. I mean, it's always a little bit different and it depends on the individual situation. Um, but, you know, in fact, there was one case where I helped an 89-year-old lady um, a number of years ago that had an old annuity where the guaranteed income base was three times what the accumulated value was of oh, wow. annuity. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a huge income base there. And I helped her get that started with a guaranteed 10-year income. Um, and that was going to equal about three times what the annuity value was oh, worth goodness. over yeah. that 10 years. So, so it really um, does depend. It depends. Yeah. An old annuity, sometimes there's a good opportunity in there. So you have to you have to look at it closely and just make sure you know what you have. Sure. You know, um, but uh, in general, yeah, not a big fan of annuities. But we'll talk through all these, yeah, all these situations. Yeah, and I think you know you have that the skepticism because insurance agents have been selling annuities for decades. They tout their benefits, but really, you know, that practice that they do has its critics because the complaints usually focus on how they get high commissions, um, how they they charge these stiff fees year after year. Um, you know, in fact, if you compare cost of annuity versus a mutual fund or another investment, there can really be a huge difference with, with most other investments being less expensive than annuity. 
And so it really does, as you were pointing out, Steve, it pays to know the details of the annuity you have before you consider them or pull the trigger uh, to purchase one. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off, though, talking about what an annuity is. Um, you know, an annuity is a contract between you and an insurance company. Mm -hmm. It's usually sold by insurance agents. Um, you pay for the annuity through a lump sum premium or a payment over time. And the insurance company then invests your money in a fixed account or in various stock or bond sub-accounts. And there are three main types of annuities. There's a fixed annuity, there's a variable annuity, and then there's kind of a hybrid called an indexed annuity. Mm -hmm. And the fixed annuity guarantees a fixed rate of return on your money. Um, and these have gotten more attractive recently as rates have gone up. But that's the simplest kind of annuity. It's more straightforward. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, on the other hand, a variable annuity allows you to invest money in different securities um, in, in sub-accounts that are similar to mutual funds. Right. Um, so that gets a little more complicated, and there's where, that's where you have a whole bunch of riders and things that, that really complicate Oh, yeah, nature. and add the fees to it, too. Exactly. Yeah, an index annuity tries to combine the benefits of, of both the fixed and the variable products by linking your returns to an index like the S&P 500, Unfortunately, though, index annuities tend to be very complicated with terms like point-to-point -point caps, participation rates, and index caps. And so when it's all said and done, the returns you get for these index annuities um, more likely resemble that of fixed annuities over, over time, but with a lot more complication. And so for that reason, we would really suggest you stay away from index annuities. The complicatedness of the index annuity and the fees they charge make it less attractive. Yeah, absolutely. Although it can sound very attractive oh, yeah. when yeah. you look at all the smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah, I mean, for each of these types of annuities, though, you can choose an immediate annuity or a deferred annuity. Um, with an immediate annuity, you supply the insurance company with a lump of, of premium, a lump sum premium, and then you immediately start receiving payouts. Um, hence the name, immediate annuity. But with the deferred annuity, you have the option to pay a lump sum or a series of payments over time, but you won't begin receiving payments until years out and mm -hmm. even decades later. Um, so anyway, but that's, so that's kind of the two broad categories you have, a way you can fund annuities and take the income is immediate or deferred. Um, but let's talk about the pros and cons with the annuities. And we'll start off here with the, with the, with the good part of annuities. Okay. Um, the pros. First one is, you know, annuities can guarantee a monthly income for life. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the most basic feature. Um, it's the biggest pro of annuity is it is, and that's what they were created for, was you can receive regular monthly payments from an insurance company in exchange for your premiums. Um, and these income payments can also be combined with a rider, um, which tends to be expensive, but might enhance the income benefit <clears throat> and provide more options. However, I mean, these are usually not a good deal, um, though, these riders, that is, the right. income riders, um, because it, they usually throw out a real attractive rate for 10 years, and that sounds great. Unfortunately, after you start drawing from that income base, um, the yearly increases usually stop for that, that income base, and then it gains nothing for the rest of your life. Right. So over a normal lifetime, you know, that means the income rider often only returns a couple percent per year over a normal life expectancy after all the smoke and mirrors, you know, gets kind of clears up. Um, 
So, you know, there there really aren't great returns there for most of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pro number two pro is uh, your contributions grow tax deferred. So the money that the growth of your investments um, in annuity is, you know, you, it's tax deferred. So that means the money in your annuity will grow and compound tax deferred. And that growth will not be taxed until you take out the money. Uh, so during the years between when you contribute funds and when you withdraw them, it's possible your money could grow significantly and you could benefit from this compounded tax deferral. However, though, when you do take withdrawals from your contract, the growth will be taxed at ordinary income tax rates and not benefit from uh, potentially lower or zero long-term capital gains rates. So uh, yeah. typically with an investment, if you have a brokerage account and you have growth, you get long, depending on how long you hold it, right. but long-term capital gains rates and not ordinary income tax. So that's that's a... A pro in that it's tax deferred, but also a negative. It has some as negatives, well. and it also builds up this big bow wave of deferred ordinary income. Right. And you kind of get trapped in this annuity. You can't take it out at the end because you have a whole bunch of, of this, you know, these gains that are going to be taxed as ordinary income. So you kind of get trapped. So it can be a negative as well. Yep. So, but that's an interesting point you make. Um, and then the next pro is, you know, fixed annuities offer guaranteed returns. Um, you know, any fixed annuity, you know, should include certain guarantees to prevent you from losing money. Um, and they also offer a certain return on your principal for mm -hmm. maybe three to seven years. And that return is usually low, but it's comparable to CD rates. Um, and it can be, you know, it can be more than a savings account and it's guaranteed never to lose value. Um, so those rates have gotten more attractive recently as rates have increased. Um, having said that, you can still end up with less in, than you invested if you surrender your contract, your annuity, before it matures. Right. Because usually there is a, a pretty hefty yeah. surrender charge attached to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and note, while some annuities do offer a death benefit, um, that's certainly not your best choice if you're looking for a death benefit. I mean, in that case, your, your beneficiaries, your kids or whoever would be much better off if you just bought a life insurance policy, right. you know, so that, that does, doesn't really add to the pros or the cons for now. Yeah. 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 So, um, the first con we have, and you mentioned a little bit with surrender charges, but high fees and surrender charges. So annuities really can get very expensive. Variable annuities have administrative fees as well as mortality and expense fees, which are often called M and E fees. Insurance companies, they charge these fees, which often run about one and a quarter percent of your account's value. And these fees cover the costs and risk of insuring your money. Um, and then additionally, as we mentioned before, riders can also carry similar large annual fees. Um, and they can have five to 15% surrender charges uh, that you just mentioned, Steve, which are, are also common. And usually they can extend from five to sometimes 15 years. Uh, and so, you know, what I've learned about what I've learned, one of the best things I've learned being in this industry the last four or five years is liquidity is king. It is very And annuities valuable. oftentimes, are especially not. high surrender charges, are not friendly when it comes to liquidity. So, right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Have an opportunity to take your money out and do something different when conditions change. Exactly. Because it is a very valuable. E exactly. Conditions are always changing. Right. And annuities lock you in so you can't be um, malleable. So, yeah. There you go. That's good. And then the next con, though, is, um, you know, annuity growth won't match the stock market. Um, that's yeah. just a fact of, you know, the 
the the the vehicle. Um, you know, stock market's going to make gains in good years, and you know that can mean your money on your investments. <clears throat> you know, will uh, uh, will go up um, in an indexed or a variable annuity. However, those annuity contracts usually do not grow at the same amount. Uh, same rate mm-hmm. as the stock market, and one of the reasons for the difference in that growth is the fees, or and the caps. Quite frankly, that they put on those that limit your growth. So you have to be aware of that. You're yep. not going to get stock market returns. And then the next con, though, number three is, you know, getting out of annuity contract can be difficult, if not impossible. Um, you know, this is a major concern relating to media annuities. Um, but like you mentioned, Zach, I mean, liquidity is king. It is important. And once you contribute your money to an immediate annuity, you can't get it back or even pass it on to a beneficiary if it's a single life annuity. Um, but even if it's not an immediate annuity, surrender charge often make it very painful and difficult to get out of the annuity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And on top of all that, you know, the last con we have is you're, they're, uh, they're just very complicated. You know, they usually sound better than they turn out. Uh, most complicate things with things like cap rates and participation rates and tables of guaranteed values, which are never as good as they sound. And so when it's all said and done, the simple fixed annuity with a guaranteed rate for maybe five years is really the only one that you'll fully understand because it's simple. And yeah. and that's another con. When they make it too complicated, sometimes we, we see that the annuity agent doesn't even understand the complexities. Right. That's just a bad sign if you can't explain it clearly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the fixed annuity with a simple guaranteed rate of return really is the only one that, that to me makes sense yeah. for most people. If you want, because you need the income and you, you don't like the risk of the stock market. Right. Exactly. If you That's the only kind the, of situation. Can't handle the risk of the stock market. Right. I think that makes sense, particularly when rates are pretty decent like they are now. Um, but in summary, yeah, an annuity can be a good way to supplement your retirement with guaranteed income if you are willing to lock into a long-term contract for retirement and stay in for maybe ten or fifteen years. Um, you know, there's also the fixed annuity, which which can have decent fixed returns now with you know, low risk for maybe three to seven years. Mm -hmm. However, you know, there are a lot of potential cons for you to keep in mind, you know, in our opinion, a simple fixed annuity is usually the only one that makes sense and will likely give you a reasonable, you know, rate of return over time. So our advice is to kind of beware. I mean, get a second opinion, make sure you understand exactly how it works Mm -hmm. before committing to an annuity contract. Um, I mean, having said that, if you have an old annuity contract and you want our opinion on what to do with it now, then certainly let us know. We'll be happy to review it and provide you some options on that. Um, that's right. So that's the that's a, that's a, that's a good good read, good article, good summary. Yeah, there and go. <clears throat> Steve really does a good job of leading into our question of the week. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> or we might have tailored the question yeah, around. We may the have article. tailored it. There you go. Question of the week. But it was a real question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so the question is, I have an old annuity, and what should I do with it? That's right. And and so just as I alluded to in the article in this conversation in in this segment, um, if you have an old annuity, you need to do some analysis of it. You need to look at the... Uh, look at the accumulation value, see if there's a surrender charge. We need to look and see if they're, you know, if it has a, a guaranteed income base mm-hmm. that you can start drawing income off of. Is that a better deal? What is the death benefit? You know, does it have a step up on the death benefit? 
Um, so you need to look at all these complicated pieces of it and figure out going forward, is it better to surrender it, get out of it yep. and do something else? Or can you perhaps, you know, start drawing income off of it and, yep. and keep recoup your money better that way? going forward. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, you know, I reviewed three of them this week and two of them yeah. I said, let's start the income. One yeah. of them I said, eh, I would cut let's your losses. Right yeah. yeah. Cut your losses. So yeah, we'd be happy to look at those for you, but yeah, absolutely. You got to do some analysis on those. Yeah. Cause each one of them is different and exactly. depending on what riders and, and what kind of agreement you had. So yeah, they can be complicated. Yeah. No doubt. We'd be happy to look at it for you. So all right, there you go. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And yes. that is, which of the 10 money languages do you speak? That's right. So, Steve, you know, there, as I mentioned before, there's a famous book or concept by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages that I think, I really think everyone is told about at some point when they're considering getting married or if they're in a relationship. And, and really, it's a fun exercise to learn which of the five love languages you speak as they can really elaborate how you give or receive love. And the five love languages are uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And so we all speak these languages in some way, but the question which one is, which one of these languages do you identify with the most as it relates to giving and receiving loves? But it's not Valentine's Day, so we're done with that. We're done with that. We're done with that. We're not talking about love languages today, but we are talking- I like the love languages, Yeah, that's okay. It's good. If you want, we can just scrap this and talk about love languages. No, you know, acts of service is my favorite, but no, we'll go straight to to money. Okay, okay. All right, we're going to talk about money languages. So how can we think about this concept of love languages, but when it comes to money? Because love and money elicit many of the same emotions. And so this this little uh, article by Andrew Rosen at, at uh, Kiplinger does, um, he, he kind of relates it to and thinks, what are the most common money languages um, and asks us to categorize kind of where we fit. So uh, our goal on the show today is see if you can closely identify with one or more of these money languages and from there use it to better your relationship with money. So Steve... What are the money languages? What are the money languages? All right. I can see you gave me the negative ones here. Yeah. I, I gave, no, I just no, went. I'm just, I'm just kidding. There, there's some positive <laughs> ones got, coming up. But yeah. you got the, hey, you got the two <laughs> biggest ones at the end. <laughs> we go. won't spoil I, the show. I like it. Oh, I like it. No, <laughs> we, won't, we won't do a spoiler. Yeah, all right. So the first money language, Zach, is stress. Okay? Yes. Yes. I mean, money can definitely create stress. I mean, they say issues with money is one of the top reasons for divorce. Sure. I mean, more explicitly, I mean, the stress that is attached to money, I mean, it sometimes can come in the form of having too much or too little. Sure. Um, yeah, it can also come in the form of not knowing how to spend it appropriately or disagreeing about how to spend it. In any event, you know, for many people, money is a stressful thing, um, <clears throat> and it becomes, uh, you know, built up as this major part of one's life and is always kind of has a shadow of stress associated with it for a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, so it yeah, does. stress can definitely be associated with money. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. The next one here is greed. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no doubt that greed is a major benefactor <laughs> yeah. of money um, and can be associated with it, right? I mean, there's always, there have been wars War. fought over <laughs> sure. the greed of money and, you know, some still being fought to this very oh, yeah. day. So, uh, yeah, it's okay to want more money but it's destructive and you know if you if all you want is money you know yeah, or right. it gets in the way of actually the important things in your life then certainly uh that's a problem so 
very easy to get consumed by greed. That's right. It is. And so the next money language is anxiety. So, um, you know, I personally know many people who didn't grow up with, with lots of money and now they have accumulated money. And in those situations, money creates this level of anxiety with them. And so they think, will they end up poor again? Can it all be taken away? Um, maybe they think of another family who had money and lost it. They think that will happen to themselves. So although, you know, in many of these situations, they have clearly accomplished exactly what they set out to do, it really doesn't shake that feeling of anxiety when it comes to money. Um, and so that could be a money language of yours. The next one, four positive. We did three negatives, so we're going to do one Good. here that's positive. Yeah. positive in here. Uh, for some, their money language is happiness. You know, yeah. So regardless of how much or little they have, money just makes them happy. They see it as this enabler of things. That it, sees, it gives them this uh, feeling that you know, they can take vacations, they can uh, have a different lifestyle, they can be charitable, they can take care of their family, which are all really good things. They don't define money by amounts, but rather by experiences or you know, what this money can do to better their lives and the lives of them or those around them. So maybe your money language is happiness. Of course, they say, you know, the old saying is money can't buy happiness, yeah. right? <clears throat> and, it, and it doesn't bring happiness, but but it definitely makes life easier. It is oh, associated yeah, yeah. with happiness. It can create the occasion for happiness, for sure. Yeah, for especially sure. especially if it's others-focused, right? Right, I and think. it's or, relieving the stresses that take away yeah, from happiness. Right. So I think we can we can give yeah. that a nod, definitely. Yeah, I'll give that a nod. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's, there's pride, <laughs> you know, while... Yeah, here's one of these negative ones again. Here. All right, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, while many people have accumulated money, especially if they've come from modest means, you know, they feel anxious about money that they have. Um, I'd say there are many others who are very proud of their mm. newfound wealth. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've set out on a mission, you know, in life, and I mean, justifiably, they're proud of their accomplishments. You know, they've been successful, and that has led to, Sure. To, to money, yeah. right? And led to, you know, a lot of financial means. Of course, there is a point where pride turns into kind of showiness, um, you know, and then these people, you know, they just have to be careful. Sure. I mean, but it's it's okay to see money as a marker that you have made some good decisions, yeah. and you can certainly be proud of those decisions, but the money itself is probably not a good thing to be proud of. Exactly. <clears throat> yep. There you go. And then even worse than that, Zach, it yeah. can lead to envy. It can. Ooh, yeah, this this gets This bad. is a common one for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, do you find yourself jealous or envious of others' financial success? I mean, this is a tough money language, and it can be very destructive sure. on many levels if you start getting envious over other people's money. I mean, you know, for this group, I mean, I think the most important, helpful thing to remember is just simply that there's always someone with yeah. much uh, more money than I you I think have, that's really helpful. And always somebody with much less than you have. Yep. And we pretty much can all look around at our neighbors and say, you know, we've been tremendously blessed. Yeah. Regardless how much money you have. Sure. You know, because we could live in a third world country somewhere where they have nothing. Nothing. Absolutely right. nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. So even if you're an outlier in one of your groups, I mean, you know, being envious of money can be a debilitating emotion. You have to, you have to rid yourself of yeah. that somehow. I think, I think that's right. I think it's right. Um, next one is guilt. Do you have a sinking, guilty feeling that you've accumulated your share of money, but others haven't. So kind of the opposite of, uh, of envy. Mm. And this is really a tough one, and I, and I certainly mm. get it. You know, So mm. for this group, it's important that you do your best not to feel guilty, as uh, there are plenty of ways to give back. I think try thinking of money as a tool to make the world better. Even if you did earn it, you can always share that 
that money with others if this is a, a money language of yours. Um, so maybe if it is, maybe consider if you want to be more charitable with your money. Uh, the next um, money language is fear. Don't worry, we have the, the last two are positive. That's I know, good. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping and we're getting you got them, some Steve. Good, that's but nice. fear is 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 another money language that might be yours. And you, are you uh, on your way up and afraid of what money will do to you? And this is this is a real issue with some folks too. Uh, have you seen others turn into someone unrecognizable after they've amassed a lot of money? Um, and this can certainly be the root of why money can lead to fear and self-sabotage in many people's lives. And it also can be hard to see how it affects your spouse or significant other or the people around you. In these cases, a remedy can be to entrust a few people around you to hold you accountable, um, who can counsel you if you, if you need. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any friends who've won the lottery, but I, you know, I've heard, I have heard stories of yeah, people, they absolutely. get a lot of money and they just can become a different person. So maybe you're afraid of that. Um, destructive. Yeah. It can be destructive. Yeah, yeah destructive yeah, for, sure. for sure. But all right, sure. Steve. All right. So seven out of eight so far have been negative. Yeah. <laughs> it starts making me think that money is just a horrible thing. But, but, but fortunately, we do have a couple positives here yeah. to go with the happiness one. Yeah. And that is one of them is security. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has got to be, you know, the, I think the, it's the top the one. The top one. Sure. Right. For I mean, sure. This is what we're all going for. Everybody yeah. wants to feel secure and have yeah. some peace and, you know, their lives, they can relax. And, you know, certainly one of the most common emotions that money elicits is security. And, uh, you know, the more you accumulate, the more secure you tend to feel. And having said that, I mean, people are always anxious about money. I don't care how much you have. We see that. We yes. have plenty of multimillionaires that are clients and we see they're still anxious, you know? I mean, you're anxious the government's going to take it away. You're anxious you're going to lose it. Or yeah suit or whatever it is you know i mean they're you know you're still not in control of your future right you know i don't care how much money you have you're not in control yeah you know so <laughs> you know so but having said that i mean they do take a lot of solace in knowing that they're debt free or they could sure. retire or you know they can take care of any medical issue that comes up you know um maybe they're in a position if they lose their job they won't starve they'll be okay you know, all those feelings are certainly understandable. Money does provide a lot of security for mm -hmm. everybody. That's you know? right. And, and so that's that's a big yeah. one. That's a big one. It is. All right. And the last one here is kind of one that's, yeah. yeah, I don't know how to take this one, right? It's love, right? <laughs> you know, finally, I mean, for some, money equals love. Um, you know, the, 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 they love everything about it. They yearn for more. <laughs> this is starting to sound like... You know, Paul's saying to Timothy, the love of money <laughs> yeah. is the root of all evil. Well, right? yeah, that's right. <laughs> there is a famous saying for there that, is. right? But uh, but anyway, I mean, but like anything else, you know, there there are healthy and unhealthy love relationships with money. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go too far for sure, and you can become an unhealthy, have an unhealthy obsession with money. Um, you know, you don't you you don't love it enough. Um, you might squander it. You know. Um, or squander your hard work. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I I would love is a strong word. It is. I wouldn't associate that with money. No. And, you know, certainly if it's associated with money, that's probably a negative thing. But, but it can, it can certainly give the opportunity to love others more. Yeah. Can sure. It? For sure. And I think all these lang money languages you can, you can acknowledge about yourself. 
and then turn it into a positive for right, sure. Right. Um, so yeah, what money languages jump out to you? You know, I know for me, there are, there are several here. Some of them are good. Some of them reveal to me that I need to do some work um, and think about maybe what, what about your significant other? What about your friend group? I don't know. This could be a good conversation to have with a, a small group of friends or maybe over Christmas, depending on who's, who's over at your house. Uh, but yeah, I thought this were good. was good to think about what resonates with you, what helps you with your relationship with money, what are your weaknesses, what are your strengths when it comes to money. Um, so hopefully this exercise will provoke some inward, outward reflections yeah. uh, for you to have with yourself and with your, with your loved ones. So anyway. Definitely interesting, interesting topic. Interesting and something topic. something to think about. Yes. You know, what your view of money is yeah. and how to, what, what emotions it, evo- it, it evokes for you. Yes, because it is different so. for, for each of us, just like the love languages. So maybe near Valentine's Day, we'll talk about the love languages. There too. you go. Yeah. Go back to that. I yeah. like it. All right. Like so uh, next up, we have our prescription of the week. And our prescription this week is understanding cost basis. So cost basis really is first and foremost, it's, it's the amount of money you pay for something. And it's more complicated than that. Um, as if it's, um, you know, if it's a stock and it pays dividends, then that increases your cost basis over the years. Um, or maybe you bought more shares of a, a stock at a higher price. That all goes into it. But basically, it's your tax basis. Right. Tax um, basis. It's what you paid and what you paid taxes on so that when you go to sell that thing, you're not paying taxes again on what you've already paid taxes on. I mean, that's a good way to determine it. Yeah. Um, but it's important to understand that, especially uh, if you are, if you have appreciation in something, um, especially if you are looking to sell something, it's important to know what is your cost basis on an item uh, before you go and sell it so you know how much tax liability you might have. So yeah, anyway, I don't know good. if you have- I'll give a couple of clarifications. Yes. One is go. it doesn't apply to retirement accounts. That's true. Only IRAs applies to after-tax investments, yep. right? Um, That's a good clarification. So it's your tax cost basis. And the other I would say is it does not equal your original investment. Right. So don't confuse cost basis with the, the principle you put in Yeah. Um, and start trying to calculate return based on cost basis. Cost basis is a tax number only, mm-hmm. and it's affected by all sorts of things like you mentioned, you know, dividend reinvestments, capital gain distributions, and you know, additional money you put in, all kind of things affect cost basis. So, um, yeah, yeah, but it's important to know what your cost basis is, particularly before you go sell something. Yeah. And it also gives you an idea of what you should gift away if you're going to give something to your church right. or charity. Mm-hmm. So interesting, very interesting yeah. number. You, you do need to understand cost basis. Yeah. So understand what that is. So I like it. Good prescription Good. of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. Program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.